Good morning, I'm Larry. My son Jurgen will be reading Psalms 37, 1 through 7 this morning. Fret not yourself because of evil doers. Be not enemies of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and be friend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prosper in his ways, over the man who carry out evil devices. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will bring your righteousness uh, as light and uh, your justice as noonday in our lives through Christ pray that you would bless Bill as he brings the word to us, and that we have ears to hear and hearts open to you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks. Well, good morning. Psalm 37. I've entitled this message... Don't worry, be happy. (laughs) Sounds a little better if you say it with a little Jamaican accent. (laughs) Don't worry, be happy, Mom. (laughs) If you've never had a worry or an anxious thought, maybe for this message you could scroll ahead in your Bible, or as my dad used to say, rest your eyes. But... um, Hopefully God's got something for all of us. We better pray. Lord, we uh, love you. We thank you. I thank you for your word, Lord, what you might have for us this morning. We just uh, pray and ask Holy Spirit that you would come, touch our hearts, use us, Lord, and uh, we will give you all the glory, honor, and praise. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm 37. So as I was studying, I didn't know this, but you know, there are different categories of psalms. There's wisdom psalms, there are psalms of lament, there are instructional psalms. Some people call Psalm 37 a psalm about worry, or how to deal with worry. Um, we know that David was the author. Uh, he says in verse 25 that he was once young, and now he is old, so he's Older, he's a man full of wisdom. We know it was written around 1000 BC. Um, Interesting thing, David wrote almost half of the Psalms. He's mentioned more than any other figure in the Old Testament. So to say he had a dramatic effect on the Bible is an understatement. He had eight wives that we know of, so he wasn't all that wise. I mean, what could, what could go wrong there, right? Um, you know, I've always wondered one question, and that was, 
The Bible says that David was a man after God's own, God's own heart. First Samuel says, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. What made, what made David a man after God's own heart? Obviously, we know that he was a man of faith. If you look at when he battled Goliath, all the wars he, and battles he fought, but we're all given a measure of faith. So what made David different? He, if you listen to Anthony, he spoke a few weeks ago, and you look at the mistakes he made with Bathsheba, father to child, then he had Bathsheba's husband killed, then he lied about it, tried to hide it until his friend called him out about it, which in a way gives me hope. When I hear the heroes of the Bible making mistakes, it makes, makes me realize we all blow it at times. There are three attributes that I feel like made him a man after God's own heart. 55 times he talks about trouble. He makes 106 references to his enemies that he's facing. Here's a man that was being hunted. He was hiding in caves in Psalm 34, just a few Psalms before 37. He's pretending to be mad, as in mad crazy, from trying to avoid being killed. He had lots of trials, and that's not a coincidence, I don't think. Have you ever noticed that, at least in my life, when things are going great, it's easy to forget about God. But when you're facing a trial, it brings you to your knees. And I think David was a man that was on his knees. Not that I'm wishing trials for your life or my life, but they seem to produce faith. And it was definitely, definitely doing that in David's life. Paul said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's hard to do, but it's definitely a faith provider and grower. Secondly, as you read the Psalms, you'll find that David gave it all to the Lord, the good, the bad, the ugly. He shared his whole heart with God. When he was mad at God, he told him. He spoke it all to him. The thing he also did is he then was never short in praising God or thanking God for what he was doing in his life. You know, Job was the same. In Job, he writes, my soul loathes my life. I will give free course to my complaint and I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. He's talking to the Lord there. Job's so-called friends were criticizing him telling him he's a mess and he was totally right when it came to God. And then God spoke and said, my wrath is aroused against you, Job's friends, for you have not spoken what is right of me. Even though Job was, Job was being 100% honest with God, God honors that. He wants all of our thoughts, all of our complaints, all of our worries. I call him what the heck, Lords, when things happen and you're like, what the heck, Lord? I'm sure you've all been there, uh, like when Tim Kelleher just passed. He's one of my heroes of the faith. And I was like, what the heck, Lord, are you doing? I have a grandson who's here today. He's four. And he doesn't say, what the heck? He goes, what the hell, Papa? <laughs> I'm like, Luca, what are you doing? And he's the same kid, though, that uh, said, are Jesus' feet big, Papa? When he was drawing a picture, I know God's got a good plan for him. 
but he is a pistol. <laughs> Third thing that David did is he prepared his heart for, with the Lord. He was in constant prayers. You read the Psalms, he was always in prayer to the Lord. Psalm 5 says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my med meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you will I pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. God wants us to get up and pray, spend time with him. I've made it a practice for a good part of my life now. I'm sure I've shared with you guys before, I travel for work, so there are times where I'm getting up at two in the morning on a regular basis. Every week I'm gone, and I've made it a habit, even if it's just a few minutes, to spend a few minutes with the Lord in prayer and reading his word. It's usually a psalm, not always, but my go-to seem to be the psalms. And I found it's a great way to prepare my heart for the Lord and for the days God planned for me ahead. I feel like it's more about quality than quantity. If you look at the theme of Psalm 37, it has a running theme throughout most of, of the psalm. We just covered the first eight verses, but what happens is David's writing and he says, don't be envious of evildoers, people that are doing well in their life, that in your mind they shouldn't be that we're supposed to not worry and be happy and trust in him. And I don't know if you guys, probably every family, not yourself, is dealing with worry and anxiety at the time. Sometimes overwhelming worry. And if you think about it, it is such a waste of time. How often do we worry about things that never come to, come to pass? I remember watching uh, Pastor Chuck Smith talk about worry and he said he walked into his living room and there were two burglars in the living room. And he said, would you fellas mind coming upstairs? I'd like to introduce you to my wife. She's been expecting you for years. <laughs> Pastor Chuck just had a way. Yeah. Psalm 37 verses 1 through 2 says, do not fret. Fret means getting worked up or heated. David, if you think about it, is a man that's faced trial after trial. And he's telling us, don't get worked up. Don't get heated because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. David saw and knew firsthand how hard life could be. He knew how well his enemies were doing and he was living in caves thinking and pretending he was mad. He was telling us, though, that we had a they have a temporary reward, but we, as believers, have a reward that will last for eternity. Verse 11 of Psalm 37 says, the meek shall inherit the earth. If you look it up, though, meek does not mean weak. Meek means a soldier for the Lord, someone that's humble, trusting in the Lord and what he's got planned for our lives. It's God's covenant promise to us, that those that know him, that we will have a blessing and a hope forever. A quote, and I couldn't find, it was in a study that a whole bunch of authors wrote, but a quote I really liked was, 
when you're looking to the left or to the right to see how you measure up to other people, whether good or bad. You have an inability to see what God's doing for you. In the case of both envy and self-righteousness, the answer is found in looking to God being thankful for what he's given you, including the opportunity of eternal life, and using him as our standard for righteousness, which can only produce humility since we fall so woefully short. You know, our world's a wreck, if you look at it. It's easy to get wound up in everything that's going on. We're good is evil and evil is bad. Seems to be that whoever has the most toys wins in the end. I feel bad for our younger people because everybody's on social media and they're all comparing themselves. But the people that are posting on social media are posting their best life, not the reality of their life. They're all nice looking. Everybody's showing their best face, but we all know that's not reality. The best way for us to stop getting worked up about our world and our circumstances is to shift our focus to the Lord, to see the world and his people through his eyes. Proverbs 30 says, two things I request of you, deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. God's telling us that he is going to give us all that we need. I remember watching a 60 Minutes show. It was a couple of years ago. And they had the five people that have won the most money in the lottery. What was interesting is every one of them said their life was worse after winning the money. The pressures and the things that the money brought were more than they could deal with. David also wrote, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. So obviously the problem is, is what we decide is good for us and what God decides is good for us is a different thing. So it's all about changing our lives and our thoughts to God's perspective versus our own. Verses three through seven have a special place in my heart. When I was talking about uh, Psalm 37 and how it has, it's a book of wisdom, it's a book of lament, it's a book of instruction, but the, Psalm 37 to me was a survival psalm. You see, some years ago, my wife of 23 years, one of the strongest women I've ever met took her life tragically. Still had three kids at home. You can imagine I was dealing with uh, where I'd failed, what I'd missed, what more could I have done. The anxiety and the stress was overwhelming. I was still working, so how was I going to deal with work and be gone for days? There were mornings it was all I could do to get out of bed. I just wanted to make sure that my kids were gonna be okay. I was trying to find peace in what I was supposed to do, how I was to live my life, and then I read 
Psalm 37, verses 3 through 7. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring your forth your righteousness as the light and your justice in the new day. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. When I read that, those verses, I felt like a blanket of peace was put over me. It was peace that only God could provide, a peace that passes understanding. So if I could this morning, I'd like to offer a five-part prescription to worry, anxiety, and fear, all dealing with how we relate to God from someone that's been there, and God saw me through. Trust. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. So how do we trust more in God? How do you learn to trust anybody? And that's by spending time with them. That's what David did also. Spent time in prayer. He spent time giving everything to the Lord. There were times when I didn't understand what was going on. I just had to ask God, Lord, please help me. Help me understand what's going on. There were times when I was spiraling out of control, to be honest with my thoughts. And I had to ask God for a hedge of protection around my thoughts, my actions, almost on a daily basis. Negative thoughts breed negative thoughts. You know, it's a neurological fact that as we think more negative thoughts, it creates a superhighway really in our brain. We make worry become a friend, a common place to go to, and that is not what God wants. God wants us to change our hearts and our attitudes We do that by spending time in the Word. As we spend more time in God's Word, He then tells us time and time again how He is so faithful, how He has a plan for our lives. You'll read scripture after scripture that speak to this. A couple are that have meant a lot to me. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Matthew 10 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? Do not fear, therefore, for you are more valued than many sparrows. Last time I taught, I mentioned my son, Luke, who's got a three-year-old. He takes him on walk and talks. I feel like that's what God wants from us. He wants us to go for walk and talks with him. He wants us to share all of our thoughts, all of our hopes, all of our fears with him. Tell him what's going on. Spurgeon says, faith cures fretting. Second part of that is do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Doing good is faith taking action. It says in the New Testament, faith without works is dead. We're called to do good in our lives. And Matthew wrote, love God with all your heart, with all your neighbor, and love, I'll start again, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor of yourself. 
When you think of others first, your problems become dim. When my wife died, our church family was incredible. When I think about people doing good, I can't overemphasize how incredible they were, how they came alongside of us and walked through it all with us, young and old, which is a little side note. You know, as I'm approaching retirement years, I've noticed I can't find retirement in the Bible. We may retire from our job, but God has a ministry for us until he calls us home. Dwell. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. When we dwell with God, it means settle, abide, inhabit, or rest telling us to be comfortable with God. I've noticed that a lot of people seem to struggle with right where they're at. We're supposed to be content right where God's got us. It's okay to think about if you're going to move somewhere else. But wherever he's got you right now, he wants you to be content with that. The Berean Study Bible says when it talks about this uh, verse, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Not only resting in the land, but cultivating, planting, and producing fruit in our lives. We are to abide in the vine. The New Testament talks about abiding abiding in the vine. We're the branches. We can't bear fruit unless we're abiding with Jesus. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of the heart. A lot of people take this scripture out of context. We'll talk about that in a minute. I love that David says to light yourself also. He's telling us we're supposed to enjoy what God's given us. For me, that's nature. I love hiking with my wife. I love riding my mountain bike. This week coming up every year, I hike the Grand Canyon with my brothers. My son-in-law, Ryan's going. John will go at times. And I totally see God's hand in, in creation, and I love that. That's what David's telling us. We need to enjoy everything that God's got for us. We just need to make sure we keep it in the right perspective. Notice that delight is a verb. It's an action verb. It's an active choice to take our thoughts off ourselves and to the Lord. It's a deliberate redirection of our thoughts and our circumstances. So I think of Paul and Silas. They're in prison And they're singing hymns to the Lord. They're praising him. After my wife passed away, I had lots of sleepless nights. And I would wake up in the morning many times with a song of praise and worship. And I know that the Lord had given it to me all night long. It was a gift I can't even describe. I have a fascination with, there's a book called uh, Imagine Heaven. And it's about near-death experiences. And it's interesting that the vast majority of people that have near-death experiences, when they feel like they're close to heaven, they hear a constant praise and worship song. They say it's a worship song like they've never heard before. There's something special and healing about praise and worship music. Another quote that I really like, By F.B. Meyer, he's a Bible scholar, says, 
Taking delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Taking delight in the Lord means that our hearts truly find peace and fulfillment in him. If we truly find satisfaction and worth in Christ, Scripture says he will give us the longings of our hearts. Does that mean if we go to church every Sunday, God will give us a new Rolls Royce? No. The idea behind this verse and others like it is that when we truly rejoice or delight in the eternal things of God, our desires will begin to parallel his and we will never go unfulfilled. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, the necessities of life will be added unto you as well. I think of King Solomon, the wisest man in the world, when he, God said, I will give you anything you want, he asked for wisdom. His heart was aligned with the Lord. And God blessed him for it. Our fourth word is commit. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also to him, and he shall bring it to, to pass. Commit is a Hebrew word that means roll off. It's saying that we need to roll all of our cares onto the Lord. We're to give him all of our thoughts and worries. I know it's easy to say and hard to do, trust me. I know. Probably the most well-known scripture verse about being anxious is Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The Lord's promising us that if we'll give our worries to him with a thankful heart, he will bless that. But most people stop right there. If you keep reading, the Lord knows us too well. He made us. He knows how hard it is to shift our focus off our bad thoughts. So he tells us what to do. He says, finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He's telling us to focus our thoughts on things of him, things that are praiseworthy, the last part says, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Do you trust God? Do you believe that he does what he says he's going to do? Because that's what he's saying here. He says, this is a promise to us. If we trust him, if we give him our worries and thoughts, that he has a plan for our lives, and he will take them. Rest is our fifth word. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest in some Bibles, they use, instead of rest, they use be still and wait. You know, that's not our best thing. You know, we live in a society of instant gratification. We all want it. And I'm just as guilty. We all want it yesterday. You know, like our marriages our relationships, we all have to carve out time for the Lord. We have to shut off our phones. We have to spend time being still and listening for him. 
which is hard to do in our world today. And knowing that during that time in my life, I felt like the Lord spoke to me more than he ever did. And that was because I took time to be still and listen to him. You know, James said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you feel like God's far from you, it's not because of God. He's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. He's saying that if you draw near to him, he will be there to meet you. So take a minute to draw near to God. I'd like to encourage all of us today to be like David. To take everything in prayer to him, to give him all of our worries, our sorrows, our cares. Take it to him when you're mad to him. Just don't quit giving it to him. Prepare your heart by reading God's word and your faith will grow. I have one last, one last thought before I grow. You know, I'm a blessed man. I have a great family. I have a good job. The Lord gave me a good home. I have all the toys. I've got a mountain bike. I've got the toys. But let me tell you, when tragedy strikes, not any of those things matter. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. I think of Jesus on the cross and the two thieves next to him. And the one said to him, remember me when you get to heaven. And Jesus said to him, surely you will be in paradise with me today. There were no hoops to jump through. There were no, there was no religion. It's all about faith in Jesus. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that's new every day, Lord. We trust in what you have for us, and we want to give you all of our lives, all of our worries, all of our concerns. And we trust in you, Lord, that you will see us through. So we ask and praise you this morning, and we thank you for all that you've done. And it's in the Lord's name we pray. Amen.